Welcome, this is the Collective Nightmares Podcast. My name is Marshall Smith. And I'm Laura Patterson. Uh, Marshall and I both have PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And I've always been interested in horror movies because I really think it's, it's through our most horrific traits and our most horrific experiences that people really have the greatest ability and the greatest need to connect with each other. And my interest in horror movies is born out of the feeling that conformity is much scarier than deviance. So the purported normal is often much more threatening than the outliers. And we are here tonight. We watched Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007, sort of a post-Halloween Halloween experience. You hopefully have been listening. We Recently should have posted an episode about the Halloween of 2018 that just came out. And we wanted to, I wanted to go back and revisit Rob Zombie's Halloween. And the IMDb synopsis is, after being committed for 17 years, Michael Myers, now a grown man and still very dangerous, escapes from the mental institution and immediately returns to Haddonfield to find his baby sister, Lori. Written and directed by Rob Zombie... Starring many of his usual cast, and in particular, you know, his wife. I will just mention Malcolm McDowell because I thought it was great. Who was he? He's the doctor. Oh. I was actually not a Rob Zombie fan for some time. I didn't love House of a Thousand Corpses. I did like Devil's Rejects. And then this was his third film, right? Maybe, yes. And I think this is actually the film that won me over to... Rob Zombie. So interestingly enough, yeah, this is the one that really convinced me. And then I went back and watched, rewatched House with a Thousand Corpses, and it's grown on me. I haven't watched it now in a while. Devil's Rejects, we've talked about. It. I think it's good. What is your history with with this film? So yeah, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theaters. Which I remember actually my comment. The only thing I remembered from seeing it the first time around was my comment when I left, which was, I think it was great, and I think the only problems with the film were due to the fact that it was Halloween. And so there were some things that if he was going to be roughly true to the Halloween story, then he couldn't really change. But I thought what he did change was actually really effective. And I liked it a lot. And I would I would say that I think I left it this time feeling fairly similar in that it makes me realize how much I really don't like anymore a lot of the old slasher films. I just find them a little bit boring and overdone. And seeing a, a remake of it where I think he actually, he gave us a lot of scarier villains than the slasher movie bad guy, you know, bullying and child abuse. And I feel like the bad guy for a lot of this movie was actually things that were a lot more interesting and compelling. And it's, it was made for a better story. And when Halloween had to come in, and I mean, it's like, it's fine. It's fine. But that, I found that to be the least interesting parts of the movie were the parts that were much more Halloween and the parts that were more about interpersonal stuff, I thought were a lot more interesting. Yeah, okay, that's interesting because I know you 
very much dislike chase scenes and definitely even for me i was like okay we, we can we could wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> right I mean, I mean i know it's late also but still yeah like, oh the movie's over i know it's over now can it just be over <laughs> so we can be done yeah i still very much like the film i'm sort of surprised that i like it so much i think it's really effective i'll just say it. i think this is by i think this is still his best film I don't think he's done anything this good since then. The Devil's Earjacks might be in contention for that, but we watched Lords of Salem, watched 31. They're sort of fine. They're fine. Uh, Lords they're... of Salem and 31, no. I mean, 31, absolutely not. No, Lords of no, Salem, yeah, true. no. But not so emphatically, no. Like, 31 was just yeah, throwaway, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, we talked about We didn't record that, did we? I don't know if we talked about it, actually. Did we not? We Did we not watch have, it together? Well, no, I saw it at Sundance, and then you saw it, like, I think eventually later, and I don't think we ever did talk about it. I think we talked about it. Maybe. It was terrible. I feel like that's bit, the summary. Yeah. It was right. It was bad. It was awful. But of the, fir- the first two, I thought, were really good. I really liked House of a Thousand Corpses. I really liked Devil's Rejects. I do agree that Devil's Rejects was a better film. This one, I like. It was less interesting i think in a lot of ways he I, f- I feel like he played it safer and i don't i don't know if safer is the right word but it's it's scaled back and it's made to look i think more like a traditional movie and i think it suffers from that i mean it, it was good i just i think i like the other ones better because i felt like he really shown i think he is incredibly talented when it comes to sound and characters and timing and visual like it, it always makes me feel like I'm watching a music video or something, watching his first two movies. That I think they're really, really good in exactly that way. He's spectacular at just having the right line and the right image and the right sound at the same time. And you know, I think he does a really good job with really cool, interesting, bizarre characters. And he didn't have that kind of leeway here. And he didn't really, he didn't make things anywhere near as like flashy or interesting. And I like him better when he's doing that. So I, I still think the first two films were... Better, but I mean, this was very good. It was, it was by far the best Halloween movie, I think. You know, <laughs> I think he he did a really good job with it, but he just he did it in a very traditional way, which cool that he can do it. But I like him better when he's being a little more what I would consider characteristically him. Okay, I actually was thinking that this was still stylized. He definitely has a style. I think that is almost, is one of his for sure strengths. And you say that with pacing, I think that's maybe the most effective part of the film is that he's so patient. Patient with the build-up, patient with the the payoffs, patient with the murders. The plot really slowly and gradually accelerates, but it never gets frenetic. And there's something, I think there's something about that that really reinforces the coldness and the... Well, the tone is the, the cold tone of the of the film that then reflects Michael Myers' supposed you know evil absence, coldness, and this real that's a lot of the terror of Michael Myers is that he has no he has no empathy he has no he's completely detached as he watches and participates in all these murders and all this violence and. Yeah, and, and so and so, zombie being so patient with that puts us, uh, kind of forces a forces us as viewers into a similar sort of perspective, and the violence 
on screen is, I think also reinforces that where it also really wasn't gratuitous. It's very, we watch it and we see it, but it's not, for the most part, it's really not more elaborate than it needs to be to get the job done. I agree with you. It's a matter of fact, but the scenes also aren't drawn out. And I noticed that actually, especially in this viewing of it, because I was partly trying to be cognizant of the sound because we have a sleeping baby upstairs. And so when those scenes were really noticeably brief in a way that I really appreciate in line with not liking chase scenes, he just kind of, yeah, he gets it over with quickly. Yeah, I guess I, I would agree with you. The characters aren't as... He was working within the confines of the characters of Halloween and and his other films. He he uses that to create characters with more depth and sort of interest. However, I will say that with much more straightforward characters, I think really because of the casting, it worked remarkably well. I mean, Danny Trejo, one, I think is... I mean, he's just incredible. From what I've heard, also he heard he, or what I've read online is not that I know people know him or anything. What I've read online is that he's also really just a genuinely really good, interesting guy. But he, as the janitor, I mean, he makes that into a whole real character. Sherry Moon is the mother, right? Yeah. She's actually great. And I really think McDowell was crucial as the doctor. I think many other actors could have played the role and it would have seemed either overdone or it, he, it just wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been able to carry it as, I mean, because really the he's totally responsible for building the mythology and the coldness with Michael and it was all really excellent. Uh, so yeah, I think the casting and the actors were able to compensate for that lack of I don't know, weirdness that he, right, he would usually bring in. I, w- I will say I wasn't a big fan of Sherry Moon Zombie in this the first time around, and, and I felt the same way this time. I'm okay with her there. I don't think she's... I don't think she's necessarily a problem being there, but I wouldn't say I liked her. And I also think some of that might be based on having seen her in the other films, and that I saw too much of her from the other films in this, and it I, I didn't like that. I don't know if I hadn't seen those, if it, I would have felt that way at all or not. Um, but I, I would say maybe she was not the best choice. Um, but everybody else, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I barely recognized Sid Haig as the the grave caretaker, whoever, whatever you call those people. Yeah, till he starts talking. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a solidly good Halloween. It's way better than the other Halloweens. He took Halloween, the slasher movie, and appropriately, I think, made it 37 minutes long or something. And then he built this whole movie behind it that was actually by far the most interesting part of the film. And I think he did a great job with that. And I think, if anything, that's maybe the more interesting question to me is, so the original Halloween, they really don't ever give a backstory for Michael. He just is evil, right? And there's a little bit of, well, he saw his sister, some sort of Freudian possible explanation of he saw his sister hooking up. And so that's why he killed her or something. But there's no real explanation. And I actually, I think like you touched on that providing an explanation and this discussion or this seeing this, I remember that from the first time I seen, I saw it of being dropped into this really miserable 
abusive home life was so jarring and so shocking. And it gave me a anchor by which to hang on the whole character of Michael Myers, that he was created rather than rather than born. And was, as Loomis says, it was this perfect storm of he had maybe had some some biological predisposition, but it was being with the abuse and the I guess also neglect the parents don't know that what's going on with him killing animals and and all this sort of thing. And they're like, oh like you said, the bullying and uh and it was and then they do that protracted hospital uh evolution and and montage of he's declining and it's gradual and he's and then the other piece that was I think very interesting was that retreat behind the masks and what the masks were able to, I guess, I I don't know. Masks are super interesting sociologically anyway. Right. Um, I I agree with you. I think it is the best Halloween film. (laughs) Especially when it wasn't Halloween, especially when it was about all these things that you're talking about. But I do feel like they get a little bit towards the end of, I think he, he did bring back in this, well, now he's just evil. We kind of lost sight of this, a psychopath who was created because of all of this chaos around him as a kid. And that for me really, it gave me something that I thought was really lacking or is really lacking in a lot of those first generation. I guess Jason really does have a backstory. Well, Jason, it's, well, Jason doesn't, but mom, who's the killer in the first one, because she had her son, there's a real explanation there. And then after that, I don't remember. I don't even actually remember what happens in the second. It's Jason is he, his motivation is he was neglected by the counselors. And so now he's killing them. Isn't that what ends up being the sort of. Maybe I don't remember, which maybe speaks to its importance. Maybe. But this all makes me think of the conversation that we had with the college students whenever a couple weeks ago. And just the idea that these slasher films aren't really scary anymore, aren't culturally relevant, or just they've maybe served their purpose, artistically speaking. And seeing this again from like a present day perspective and and with some updates, I very much felt that way. And Rob Zombie loves to do homage. And so, of course, he's going to keep Halloween alive in the movie about Halloween. But still, it felt like it was that's just maybe an outdated trope at this point, the bad guy who, yeah, has no backstory or minimal backstory. It doesn't matter. And it's going to go around and just kill a bunch of teenagers and they're going to scream and they're going to be crazy ways they're going to die. And I just, I don't think it has much to say anymore or much to like speak to any sort of interesting conversation really. Right. I wish we would have played it up a little bit more that in the 15 years later, dad says something about the corporate, you know, they've bought out the local hardware store and the corporate whoever are, or are taking over and exploiting everyone. And my politics aligned with that. So I would have appreciated uh, something there, but I really also appreciated how for most of the film, all that violence gets pulled into the houses. And so Michael would took her friend, pulls her into the house, shuts the door. And then there's just this hold on the house, everything still seems like the suburban from the outside is everything's nice and pretty and clean and these beautiful big old houses. 
and and it's just that moment of silence and then we cut inside and there's all this terror and brutality that there's something about that that was very interesting to I, me i like that now that you say that but there wasn't a whole lot for political uh, or social commentary i don't think other than i don't know if you're grow up in really miserable circumstances you may end up not coping very well with those situations well i I think also it's worth thinking about the conversations we've had recently about whether these types of movies can reinforce problematic norms or challenge them and and i kept trying to think throughout the movie like okay here we have an updated slasher sort of and he's at least he's made a lot of real changes to the bad guy in the film so that the bad guy is no longer just this image of a bad guy. It's the real social problems that I think he's dealing with for the whole beginning of the film. But when it does switch over to like slasher, does he then update that slasher pattern at all? Is he problematizing these things or is he being just conservative? And I wasn't sure it was the best choice to have Mike Myers' mom be a stripper. I thought that was potentially also reinforcing the same sort of idea that there are so many things going wrong in that home. She actually seemed like a really good mom. And the fact that she went off at night and did that, maybe that's not ideal in some way. She left the baby home with this terrible drunk boyfriend. And there were other things that were wrong. But I would say that job itself wasn't necessarily problematic. And the fact that the kids were picking on him at school, I mean, now that's kind of a separate thing. Kids might pick up on that and bully him about it regardless of whether ultimately it's a bad thing or not. And so, you know, that can get a little bit more complicated. But even so, I wasn't so sure that was a good choice because a lot of those things really did seem to be pegging. This is a problem in his life. He's being treated poorly. He's being bullied. He's whatever. His family doesn't seem to care about him or, you know, all of that. And that one little piece, I didn't really like how much they emphasized her job. But I also thought, Rob Zombie likes to put his wife and her naked butt in his movies, and so how much of it was just wanting her to have a strip scene, which just didn't feel necessarily great to me. And then there's all the, like, teen sex kind of stuff, and that's, you know... I mean, again, it's Halloween, and so it'd be weird to take it out. I don't think he did much to update it or to make it... I certainly noticed, and maybe this is just watching it this time with you and having had so many conversations with you that this kind of thing would jump out at me. I don't... I probably did not... No, you know what? I'm almost going to say I did notice this the first time around, but maybe I didn't. But when, um, when there was a couple that were having sex in that abandoned house and the guy like finishes and then the girl like clearly was into it and then she just rolls over and it's like, oh, well, go get me a beer. Like, okay, it's over. The sex act ended because he was done. And well, she does I, say, well, at least give me some warning. She's like disappointed. She's disappointed, but there's but no not, expectation that like true. anything is just like over. And I feel like right. that's not really... Anyway, for like, sure. I think that was even noticeable the first time around. I want to say I have a memory of thinking that then too. Why is this scene just playing it off? That's totally fine. And she's like, oh, just go get me a drink. Like, he can't do anything. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's just there's nothing to be done. <laughs> I guess it's just <laughs> over. And yeah, that was odd and unnecessary. Like that could have been a little bit different. The, the sex wasn't mostly problematic the teen sex stuff and I didn't really feel like people were being punished for having sex so much as just a lot of people were having sex and it's a slasher movie and that kind of fit but it was still very much sex equals death I, I mean because she Lori's the one who's the virgin who has no interest in boys I don't oh yeah and, you're right and 
she has sort of a little joking, oh yeah, I'd like to get laid, but yeah, and everybody else is out canoodling with whoever of the teenagers. And I mean, it's funny you say that. So, so the mom, I absolutely think kids would bully, tease somebody. They found out their mom was a stripper or whatever. But she did, I did appreciate that even though she was a stripper, like she was clearly, she wasn't like a, what I would imagine would be a typical movie stripper using drugs, irresponsible, slutty. She was trying to keep her family together. She's taking care of this jerk. Who knows why, but whatever. But she's otherwise, she's engaged. She's trying to be caring. She goes to the school and she's upset about it. So she was very much working mom. But yeah, so that may have been motivated by, like you said, if, if he likes to, to put his wife in movies. What I noticed more was the like gratuitous nudity of the teenage girls. Like we see every one of them topless. It was just, it was gratuitous and they weren't super well written. It was all, they either have a boyfriend or they don't. And the only thing we know about Lori is that she's the daughter or the baby, but we don't really learn about anything. Yeah. Anyone, anything else. All they do is sort of, yeah, all they do is talk about boys and that's pretty much it, really. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of gratuitous, the rape scene, I think, was also oh, yeah. gratuitous. It it didn't have to be that. And I, I understand that I think he wanted to establish them as bad guys. And, and that was still through that point in the movie and farther, I think. Mike Myers was only killing people that deserved it, I guess, or were kind of bad. Aside from maybe his sister at the beginning, that was she wasn't, and her boyfriend, honestly. <laughs> like, they didn't seem as bad as some of the people. But still, there was like, you disliked the people that he was killing. And so... I thought they wanted to do something to reinforce that still, that he was at least killing people he was kind of supposed to, to make the the difference when he kills Danny Trejo, that's yeah. his name, when he kills him so stark. That kind of fit in a way, but that also didn't feel... I, I do feel like he aesthetically enjoys that or something. Like He includes that kind of stuff in his movies for reasons that aren't necessarily ideologically clear. So that also felt a bit similarly unnecessary. Yeah, and I agree with you, and I'm glad you bring that up. I remember thinking that the first time I saw this as well. I remember that very clearly of thinking, we just don't need this. And like you said, to have, to have a rape scene be gratuitous is really a, it's not a light mistake. It's, and they could have been abusive and creepy and, and been and been like what they did in the hallway, which was still very much sexual assault, but not this elaborate rape. And, you know, that is funny because he doesn't kill the woman, right? Not that we see, so she's presumably the, no. I think she's actually the only person in the hospital that she that the sanitarium that he doesn't kill. We at least don't see we don't see her alive either. I think we just don't see her again. Yeah, but I guess the idea was he was at that point he was so far gone that he didn't care that this was happening in a cell. The only time the only point at which he intervened is when they started fooling with his masks, and then I guess that then, like you said, primed this full reveal of he is ultimately callous and that Trejo, uh, Max, I think was his character's name, who has been respectful to him for 17 years or however long it's been, he's going to kill him too without thinking too much about it. And it, it was noticeable before that when he killed the was she like administrative person, the woman that was at the desk at the front. Oh, yeah. Because we had never seen her before That's and true. we saw her looking very 
almost dead. And that was striking because that was the first time you saw someone that he had hurt who didn't have some reason that would make him want to do it. We didn't have any reason to believe there was anything that she had done. But oh, the nurse, when he was still young, when mom showed, brings the picture of him and his baby, and the nurse, she didn't. Not oh, yeah, no, she, yeah, she did. She said something to him oh, like, oh, right. look, the baby's so cute, it can't be related to you, oh, and then he true. did it. She did, you're right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sister was still like, sister wasn't really, and boyfriend. Yeah, but they, like, they, they wouldn't take him trick-or-treating, like they weren't. They were a little bit mean, but probably no more mean than like older siblings might yeah. be in a vaguely reasonable household. Right, they were not. We were like, calling him a piece of shit and yeah. throwing things at him, and I don't know whatever else the other people were doing. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to guest speak for Elizabeth's class. We're going to talk about Get Out. I'll ask him because I was when you were talking about how they talked about even something. For them, Scream is probably indistinguishable from, as they talked about, seemed fairly indistinguishable from the first wave of slashers, even though it was 15 years later, and then this was another 10. I, I, would, I will totally ask him how this holds up, because compared to, compared to some of those early slashers, this, to me, is much more brutal and cold and, and developed and... Uh, I just almost wonder if it's like it's a, it's a vast improvement on a dead art form. You know, and having seen, I've thought more about that, about the more recent Halloween since we've seen it and just how dead I kind of think it is. You know, I, I, I don't feel like anything is lingering with me from that except for the thought that this type of art just doesn't have a lot to say anymore. Yeah, I don't know if it has a lot to say. It is very much about, it would seem to be very much about the style in which you present it. And he does great with style. And and like you say, I, I it's funny you actually said that because just in looking up whether or not Halloween was his third film, it looks like the big, first several things he directed were music videos for White Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> so that would totally make sense. And I, I, I love some of the shots in this film. I loved his use of the super wide aspect ratio. And he would turn, he would turn camera so that you were looking horizontal to give that, to be able to use that full width. And it was so like natural. It was just great. And then so much with the Michael looking upside down at, at whoever he was killing, all that stuff was really, uh, was really effective. Um, I was, I was very curious. I was looking at who the editor was and who I was looking at who the editor was. Cause I was thinking, God, I don't know if that, how much the editor did here, but it's maybe somebody you should team up with again who might help you sort out the some of those other things that the more recent films have have been lacking to some extent. So I have to tell the 31 Sundance story okay. again because I don't think I've, I've said that on air. No. Um, and I think it's really relevant because I think Rob Zombie is immensely talented. Yeah. But in 31, the first at five minutes or whatever, the intro to 31 is really good. Like really good. And I was so excited that it was going to be excellent. And then the movie just totally tanks. I mean, like the, it's like the intro and the movie are two separate things. And the intro was amazing. And the movie was just terrible, just terrible. And so we saw that at Sundance and he, you know, everyone was there to talk about it. I, Rob Zombie was there and Sherry Moon Zombie was there. And there were like, I don't know, three or four other people, at least I think from the, the cast who was there, who were there. And he was very candid at the, the screening just about the fact that 
He shot this on a very low budget. It was shot over, it was a short period of time. I almost want to say like two weeks, but that sounds crazy. So maybe it was longer and I'm misremembering that. I don't know. But he said that, I remember, I'll, I'll try to just be accurate to what he actually said. And so I'll throw out the little pieces that I'm remembering without trying to tie it together into a totally cohesive narrative necessarily. But I remember that he said that he felt like people really got the hang of their characters by the time the shooting was over and that that was unfortunate because he felt like the characters didn't really come together throughout the whole thing. Um, and he talked about, you know, just getting together with some people and deciding to kind of throw this together. And um, it really made it sound like he just didn't put a lot of effort into it. And, you know, he, he talked about, I remember getting some of the music that he got for the film and how he just, you know, because he knew the people or whatever, he was able to get some, some good songs in it. And that was helpful because they were trying to do it on a really low budget. Um, but he got some good music anyway. And it just sounded like he thought it would be fun to throw together a movie over some crazy short period of time. And he got some of the like usual suspects together and they didn't really know who their characters were going to be. And watching the film, it's like, it was bizarre because some of the, some of the scenes, you swear you saw that scene already, a much better version of it in Devil's Rejects. I mean, I remember a scene in 31 where they were, they're driving in a van and it's just the dialogue, the banter between the characters. Like, that's Captain Spaulding and, and Otis talking right there. I mean, it's not. It wasn't the actors, but it was, it was that banter. And he just made it sound at this, at this Q&A like that was basically what had happened. And, you know, at least he was willing to say that. That, yeah, it was just a little thing we threw together. You know, whatever. But I think when he... When he tries, you know, when he really puts a lot of effort into something, I think he does great. I don't know what motivated him to just throw together a movie like that. And it was really what was most bothersome to me, having, you know, being in the process of working on a screenplay at the time was like, oh, you're, you're Rob Zombie, you've done some really good stuff, you've got money, you've got friends in the business, whatever, you can get into Sundance with a piece of crap movie. That had an amazing first five minutes, but the rest was just terrible. And like, there's so much good stuff out there that doesn't get made, and, and that's just really, speaks poorly of the institutions that are governing this whole thing because there's that movie should not have made it into Sundance. It's ridiculous that it made it into Sundance and it wouldn't have, I'm sure, if it hadn't have been around Zombie. So I think looking at his newer stuff, I would argue that it's probably not a lack of talent or ability, but a lack of real dedication that has made those movies not as good. And I, I, I at least think that from what I've seen in the first films, I hold on to the fact that I think he is just immensely talented. And I think if he really did apply himself the way he apparently did for the first five minutes of 31. And I almost want to say that came up, but I might be making that up. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I almost want to say that that came up in the Q&A, that he had had that part already, or he something that made it seem like more care went into that. I think he could do another spectacular film if he sat down and decided to do another spectacular film. And I don't know why he's decided not to, but I wish he would, because I really like his stuff when he when he does it well. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. The first three... I think are really great and are solid. I mean, I think they're a consistent for me anyway, they're a consistent improvement one to one to one. And then he got derailed for, like you said, who knows what a reason. And I remember you talked about that too. And, and me agreeing with you that there's so many people with so much who are like desperately trying to make something. And if they've made something to try and get it into something like Sundance and, to use up that space is, dude, like if all you want to do is make the short, just do, like you said, the first five minutes, submit it as a short and cool. That's great. 
Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I mean, it was a huge theater that he got. Huge. It was one of the big ones. It was like a, it's like a school auditorium plus. And so, like, if you were all the way on one of the edges, which I think we were, you had like the craziest angle view ever. I mean, it was huge, huge, huge. Like that could have been used to support, I think, a really good film. Yeah. I, I remember someone asking at the Q and A something about one of the kill scenes or why they had the different bad guys they did. And he was like, oh, you know, we were just, we were just kind of there that day. And we thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny if like we had a couple like Nazis who, you know, whatever. And like, oh, so we just decided to go with that. Or we thought maybe it'd be cool if they spoke Spanish. I don't, I don't even remember like what the character, you know, it was just, it was done totally, I think on the fly. I don't know why. And the fact that it made it into Sundance is a tragedy, but I don't think he has to be that way. No, no. <laughs> the thing is, I don't doesn't. think it's a matter of him figuring out what editor to work with or something. I think he just needs to actually care, is my guess. And then I think he right. could hit it out of the park if he wanted to again. I wish he would. Wish he would too. Because the right. Salem, that was not good. It wasn't, it wasn't 31 it wasn't bad, terrible, but right? it wasn't good. I might be wrong. This might not be Reagan. That might be JFK. I, was gonna, I think it is. Okay, well, what's Reagan? Well, it's just a solid, enjoyable film. I really don't think there's a whole lot of social commentary other than, yeah, the gender was still, gender dynamics were still really, yeah, just as bad as they ever were. The one redeeming thing with gender was Lori is, well, Lori ends up killing him, ending the trauma through the sequel, so somehow that didn't actually kill him. But she ends up with the final bullet in the film, and she is active in the in the end. She breaks stuff down and figures shit out and runs here and there. So she has some agency. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's, I mean, <laughs> like I said, it's not a lot, but there's that. I don't think I have a whole lot more to say to you. No, I don't think I do either. But if you're looking for a solid slasher movie that I think still holds really quite well. I would. I still. I agree with you. I still think it's the best of the Halloween movies. I mean, the original is great because it was so early and and did what it did at the time. But I think my big take home right now is that I'm feeling done with slashers. Yeah. Good. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. Well. Uh, yeah. So we'll move on to to something else. You can think about what you want to do. Yeah. We'll think about it sometime when it's not one o'clock in the morning. Right. I would. Love for one of those things to be Sonder Commando. We'd watch that film. Oh, yeah. Just saying. It's, it's absolutely next on the list. This is the Collective Nightmares podcast. I'm Marshall. I'm Laura. You can find us on Instagram at Collective Nightmares, on Twitter at Collect Night. We do have a Patreon page. If you will subscribe or rate us on iTunes or review us, even better, screen, take a screenshot of it. Send it to us somehow, and we will send you stickers. And we appreciate you joining us. Horror films are our collective nightmares. <laughs>